0: Hi everyone, this is Maya, founder and managing editor of Let's Hear It. This is the Let's Hear It, Hear Her Story podcast, and featuring today is Carly Lehigh, co-founder and CCO of Modern Fertility, a startup led by two women aiming to democratize fertility information and simplify the process of getting a fertility test. I first asked her to tell us about Modern Fertility, as well as her background before leading the company. Check it out
1: offer a comprehensive fertility hormone test that you can take at home before you're ready for kids and a little bit about me I am originally from the Boston area I'm actually wearing a Red Sox hat right now everybody makes fun of me out in San Francisco (laughs) Um, and I started my career in uh, creative agencies and then moved in house at Google where I worked on a program to help small businesses succeed online and get websites And then moved over to an experiments team at Uber, where we built Uber Eats from the ground up, Uber Rush, and Uber Health, uh, and really learned a ton about building products um, on the ground and working in really, really smart product organizations. Um, And then uh, met my co founder, Afton, and we started talking about. Uh, talking about fertility, and I have um, a very interesting take that's a little bit different than how she came into the space, and we can talk about that, but long story short, I was focused on my career, didn't think I needed to be bothered whatsoever by fertility information, Mm -hmm. and I was kind of stiff-arming the whole thing, and once I started digging into so much of the fertility science, uh, there was so much that I couldn't believe that I wasn't prepared for, and it really blew my mind, uh, and as, as I started talking to more friends, I realized I was definitely not alone in that. Uh, how do we spend so much of our lives preventing pregnancy, and then when it comes to planning for it, it's just this sort of mysterious black box?
0: Mm-hmm. So,
1: I made it my personal mission to show my my former self the value of proactively understanding your body, um, so that you really have the power to make the the future choices that are that are right for you. So here we are and um, coming from sort of a creative brand and marketing background. Um, I, I, I have found sort of my way in this tech world. Um, and I have found that creative people are really necessary as things become more and more automated. Um, and it's, it's, it, I've come a long way from, you know, majoring in English mm-hmm. and everyone asking me, Oh, do you want to be an English teacher? Um, and me saying, you know, I want to find a creative application of business and my father who was in finance kind of rolling his eyes into the back of his head. Um, but I'm here to say if you're a creative woman, you are needed in the tech world to, to, to solve so many problems that have been um, kind of strewn by the wayside for, for, for so long.
0: Right. And so how did you actually, you know, even coming from an English major, how did you get into, you know, the business slash tech slash creative industry?
1: Yeah, such such a good question. And like I mentioned, um, I went to a very liberal arts school. We, we actually didn't even have a core curriculum and you could take whatever you wanted. And I, I always loved writing and reading. And I became an English major because I could take all of the cool, I could take all the cool literature classes. Um, And people would always ask me, do you want to be an English teacher? And I would say, you know, I want to find a creative application of business. There's got to be one out there. And at the time, it was sort of the beginnings of like the mad men craze. Mm -hmm. Um, And at the time, I narrowed in on advertising as, oh, this is the place where you can be a storyteller, where you can be an artist, where you can work with really creative people and solve creative problems. Um, so that's that's where I headed right off the bat. And I, I got into advertising at a really interesting time because uh, all of the sort of like old school ways of doing things were really being turned on their head. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they really needed, quote unquote, digital natives, right, um, right. you know, to come in and help, help sort of bridge this gap between what was going on with social media and, you know, like always on kind of advertising and and the old school sort of slower campaign, TV campaign um, rollouts. So I worked on uh, a, a handful of P&G brands, Tide, Downey, Gain, Duracell, Olay, and really got to understand sort of how, how those Big companies have been operating, and then tried to help um, infiltrate some of that with some some quicker moving, you know, social social based digital activations. Mm-hmm. Um, and being in that world, I had no idea what the tech world had in store. I uh, my my then director at Google reached out to me via LinkedIn. She had seen me in a you know a creative people article and knew she wanted she needed some sort of creativity on her team and I remember thinking when she reached out what would I do at Google code stuff you know like I didn't understand that there were you know these unbelievable pockets of people building products solving creative problems um, trying to humanize technology for the world so uh, I moved out to San Francisco about seven years ago um, and I worked worked at, at Google where I learned the ins and outs of, of sort of this tech world um, mm-hmm. and became more and more confident. Confident that, that creative people needing to tell a story around the products and services that, that these tech companies are building are, are really, really important.
0: Right. And what did, so from all that experience from Uber, from Google, you know, what mm-hmm. did you learn um, that you constantly apply to Modern Fertility?
1: Oh, man. So I think the number one thing that I have learned, and I I don't think that this is unique to the tech industry per se, I think I've learned you want to be the kind of person people want to work with. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And that is the number one criteria for success. Um, you want to support people, you want to follow through when you say you're going to do something. And if you are somebody that people love to work with and people vouch for you and say, oh, she's someone who gets shit done, Mm -hmm. that is going to carry you through the rest of your career these these you know companies out in the bay area it's a small small world Mm -hmm. people people talk and know everyone and you know paying it forward being good to people being somebody who's reliable dependable and is a great teammate is like the number one thing that you can do if you can do that and then you have a growth mindset to get better at some of the things that you need to work on you're you're golden people people when people want to work with you they you know they will make it
0: happen. Definitely, no, definitely. And so, once you left Uber, so you left mm-hmm. Uber when you met Afton and started the kind of like yeah. idea thing. Okay. Yeah.
1: So we we met while I was at Uber, and we were starting to work on starting to work on what this. What this could look like with with modern fertility, and um, I couldn't get it out of my head. I couldn't get the problem out of my head. I started I started doing what I do when I don't understand things, which is read. <laughs> and we started a we started this sort of like really dorky impromptu egg book club. We call it. We now have a little library in our office with all of the books that we that we read, and we keep adding to it.
0: But oh my this
1: one this one book called Motherhood Rescheduled. It's um, I think it's six stories of women having different different experiences with fertility all across the map. And it, it, it blew my mind because I was just a few years away from starting to think about that stuff. And even just those few years had meant that I was not exposed to it whatsoever. Um, so I kind of got entrenched in this. Oh my goodness, what is this gap that seems so universal? How do we spend our lives preventing pregnancy and have no tools to plan for it? So mm-hmm. it became, it became, it became an obsession. Um, and then Afton <laughs> and I decided to to apply to Y Combinator, which is a, a startup incubator out here. And uh, when we got into YC, it was sort of you know we looked at each other, and we said, all right, we're doing this thing, let's go. Um, and that's when I you know I quit my job and we we
0: we went for it wow and what was that like did you at that point did you have like a lot of research did you have like a prototype like what did you really have to show them that you know this idea is you know going to be great in the long run
1: yeah, so we have a lot of conviction.
0: <laughs> That's um, always no, good. We
1: had, we, had, we had worked our butts off. A mm-hmm. ton of research, a ton a ton of wheels in motion. Um, and for us, it was really about showing, you know, we are uniquely positioned to do this, um, Afton and I talk about all the time. We don't know how people can start companies when they're 18 years old or Mm -hmm. 20 years old. We called in every single favor from every single person that we Mm -hmm. have worked with, you know, at Google, at Uber, at 23andMe, um, to help us, um, to help us get going. So, um, we felt like we had the power of all of those connections. And again, because, you know, be a good person to work with. People are happy to help you later and you will need their help. Um, And, and yeah, we, I think more than anything we had, we had the conviction, we had the grit and we were basically signing away our lives for, for an extended (laughs) period of time to say, you know, we're going to do nothing else, but work on this, work on this idea, work on this problem because this is what we believe in. And, um, and, and that's what we did. And I think, I think so often it's just sort of the deciding to do it that, that can be, that's, that's the biggest, the trickiest part. Mm-hmm. Um, and then people ask us all the time, okay, well, how did you do it? How do you build a company? And I have the most boring answer in the world to that. The answer is a list. <laughs> we <laughs> literally have a document, um, that's called, that was called at the time, A-C, dash Afton and Carly. And, you know, every day we would just have a list. Of, Here are the things that need to happen. Here are the things that need to happen. We'd cross up the list. We'd know what the other person is doing, and we'd just keep going. So uh, it doesn't sound super romantic or sexy, but it was a list. It worked. Uh, <laughs> and that's what worked for us.
0: Awesome. But so, you know, about just like fertility in general, right? So how do women like go about this? Like what, you know, what, how do you get a fertility test? Like what is like the information asymmetry you guys are trying to solve where women don't know where to go or even what to do in, in a situation like that?
1: Absolutely. So I'll start by saying that uh, today, there really is no such thing as fertility. It's only been infertility. So mm. you traditionally only learn about what's going on with your reproductive hormones after you've already you know, started to try to have a kid and maybe had trouble. And it's a very sort of backwards way for everything to be operating. Um, so for us, it was really important. We, we saw that these tests were out there. They're better predictors of future fertility than just relying on your age alone. And we we worked to find a way to take those same fertility hormone tests out of the reproductive endocrinologist clinic where they can be expensive, not accessible to everyone, and make sure every woman has the option to use these hormones as, as a data point for making decisions in the future. So the way it works is you head to you head to our site, modernfertility.com. You can order a test. you can take at home and once you get your test you collect a sample and you pop it in the mail Um, and once that sample is processed by the lab you get access to a dashboard and that dashboard walks you through here's what your hormone levels are here's what these hormones mean and why they're important which is just as important as the actual hormone levels the actual sort of personalized education around here here are the hormones in your body and why they're important um, and then you can chat one-on-one with a fertility nurse to get your questions answered. We have a modern women community, which is amazing. Um, we're always talking about, you know, everything from reproductive health to our careers and everything in between. Um, and then we have a live egginar—it's <laughs> a, it's a <laughs> webinar. We call it an egginar every week, where you can ask anonymous questions if you prefer. So, um, what we're actually testing is up to eight fertility-related hormones. Um, One, AMH, for example, I'll dive in so that you can get sort of a sense for the science, Mm -hmm. uh, serves as a proxy for how many eggs you have sort of waiting in the wings in your ovaries. And it's actually secreted by the little cells surrounding the follicles and your follicles hold your eggs. Mm -hmm. So the more AMH you have, the more mature eggs that you have. And when you track AMH over time, you can get a better sense for how that is changing in your body over time.
0: Wow, wow, that's really, really, really cool. um, but you know how like how are you managing to kind of convince women that there's like like this shift in consumer behavior you know where now you're taking an at home fertility test with a with a finger prick right um versus going to you know a doctor in person,
1: yeah, so I think whenever you um sort of introduce a new you know behavior a new proactive behavior you're, you're not exactly sure how that's going to be, how, you know, how that will come across. We were unbelievably blown away by the number of women who raised their hand and said, Oh my God, finally I can do, I can have a data point. You know, I don't have to just rush into freezing my eggs or I don't have to, have to, you know, just worry and not have any information. So I, I, the word "convince" is something that like, has not at all been part of the puzzle it's been like showing women exactly what they will get and making sure that they know that they have the option to get it if they want it um and and we're here for them to answer any questions and help them understand the science behind it and serve really as that clinical neutral resource um that they can always trust um and you know we we always say go talk to your doctor about these results and you you are the one who decides what to do with them uh, as opposed to, you know, you know, go do this or go do that. Um, I think uh, so things like egg freezing are very buzzy right now. And
0: it's, mm-hmm.
1: it's amazing that egg freezing exists as an option for some women, but it's still largely invasive and expensive. Um, and to be able to give women an option to see what's going on before they feel like they have to make, you know, a big jump like that uh, is really, really important to
0: us right so you see you know modern fertility is something more to like encourage women to be more proactive in going to the doctor post viewing the results right or is it more of like an individual experience like all yeah of the
1: yeah abso- it's absolutely meant to be a conversation starter with your doctor and uh, we're seeing we're seeing more and more women are Are standing up and saying, "I know, and I want to be my own best health advocate," uh, in the same way that I want to be my own best financial advocate and my own best career advocate and my Mm -hmm. own best, you know, dating advocate. There are all of these tools now that women are taking taking in stride to 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 make it happen. So if I can walk into the doctor's office, you know, with information and a doctor discussion guide from modern fertility and be able to answer get these get my questions answered uh, you know i'm i'm gonna do that
0: right right and how you know how did you actually determine you know this process um to you know take this test at home and or even like the price of making it you know 159 dollars for this at-home test yeah. So we, we,
1: we always say that modern fertility is the same exact science that reproductive endocrinologists use, just different tech, just more accessible. So when I say the same science, I mean the exact same panel of hormone tests that if you walked into a fertility clinic, they would have you test. Mm-hmm. So this is not, you know, new science. It is based on dozens and dozens of clinical papers um, and we work with our medical advisory board really, really closely to make sure every word that we put into the product um, is not just clinically sound, but, but very easily understood and interpreted. Um, and that is, that is super, super important to us for sure.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Awesome. And, you know, when you were, you know, developing the idea for Modern Fertility, and you, you said you went to YC. So that was kind of like your right. first kind of like, entryway into fundraising for the company. What were some things that you did? And what are like some key tactics you can you have for other female founders in healthcare or in tech in general? Yeah.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So one of the biggest things with fundraising is, um, you know, the reality was we were talking to a lot of people who would not be our end user. And that was just sort of the fact of the matter. Um, uh, And so we had to, uh, you know, prove that women wanted this information that women wanted this Mm test. So we did surveying we you know we went out into the city ourselves we held um a little events where we talked about reproductive health uh and walked women through our reports and got their feedback and all of that sort of we transformed into you know part of the education um for potential investors and you know it's it's not it's it's not their fault that they you know that they might never use the product. We just, Mm -hmm. we had to do the work to make sure that they were able to understand it. Um, and one funny thing that would happen is, you know, we, we would have in, uh, potential investors say, okay, you know, I talked to my wife, I talked to my daughter. So they would, tr- you know, they were trying mm-hmm. to do like a focus group to try to understand um, how this sort of fits in. And that's that's their job, to, to do the research and to understand sort of like what the market looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were just incredibly fortunate to have, um, to have investors who immediately understood the the value and the implications of women owning and having their own health information. Um, so I can't even begin to say that you know we didn't have an extremely positive experience. We were we were very fortunate,
0: right? And do you you know does infertility affect men and women equally, or is it more women? And you know do you, does Modern Fertility plan to also include fertility tests for men?
1: Great question. Everyone asks us this question. <laughs> You know, in white Combinator, it is largely, largely men as mm-hmm. well. And all of the guys would ask, you know, when that was coming. Um, and yes, it, it absolutely takes two to tango. Mm-hmm. This is not just a, a, a woman's thing. Um, we are focused right now on making sure she has the information that she needs. Female fertility is incredibly complicated. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's where we're focused now. But we are um, super committed to listening to our customers Uh, who are telling us every day, oh, this is, this is great. And now, you know, now I want this. Mm -hmm. Um, And for us, you know, we, 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 we need to stay very focused and need to make sure um, that we're doing a really good job of, you know, what we promised from the outset. But um, definitely, definitely talking to our customers every day about what they need and, and and what's next.
0: Right. Right. So what do you see as the next step? What, what do you see your business model going for modern fertility?
1: Yeah. So we are, um, very, very focused on helping her understand her reproductive health, um, and really guiding her throughout that process. Um, and now we are Really, really honing in on everything she needs to um, be really well equipped if she does want to have a kid in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, so making sure that she's able to reorder year over year and track her hormones at her time right. and understand what's changed and understand what she can do about them. So mm-hmm. that is sort of the the the, the big focus. Um and And she will absolutely tell us from there what else what else she needs and we're we're very lucky in that regard our our modern women community is just this sort of um really amazing lively um almost living thing um where we're in there every day um figuring out you know how we can serve women better um, and I think one big part of that is, uh, the, the research and the content that we put out into the world. We have a modern fertility blog where every month we get together and we say, you know, what are the questions women are asking us? Oh, someone asked us about, you know, plan B infertility. Someone Mm -hmm. asked us about vaping infertility. You know, we're going to dig in and we're going to write the best damn piece on this to get these questions answered. So we're also very much focused on, on making sure that, um, we're, we are, we are sort of helping her cut through the the Google wormhole and mm-hmm. get questions to some of these get answers to some of these questions that um that that have a lot of misinformation attached to them.
0: No, yeah, really, that's that's really really great. And I, you know, I think there's really like a lack of education, particularly for young young women, on reproductive uh-huh. health and you know what to do in yeah. situations. And yeah,
1: totally. Yeah. We, we talk about that all the time that like, you know, we have these, we host these hormone nights at our, at our office a few times a week and sometimes at, at companies and we go through Dr. Aaron Burke on our team goes through a fertility and reproductive health 101. And it is the first time, you know, we're talking about this stuff mm-hmm. sort of in public, but since sex ed mm-hmm. and sex ed was very much all about prevention, prevent, prevent. Here's what happens <laughs> when mm-hmm. you do bad things. Um, and now the conversation now, you know, it's the first time we're having this conversation about sort of being proactive and here's what's happening. And here's what you need to know about menopause, you know, about fertility treatments, about PCOS, um, all of these things that nobody, you know, really sat us down, um, and, and, and taught us. So mm-hmm. we, we, we need to sort of course correct that, um, for, for women now who are actively trying or will be trying soon. And then for future generations, we need to make sure um, that we're, that we're arming arming women with, with all of this, all of this information.
0: Definitely. Definitely. And what do you, what's your perception of other companies that are trying to do something similar, like um, more of like telemedicine type of companies. So it's like, like Maven or even like 23 and me or like Hims or Oscar health you know, kind of these companies that are wanting to like automate the process of providing Mm -hmm. information like this, you know, what do you, what do you think of this? Do you think this is kind of like the next step or like kind of like the next generation of companies kind of changing the treatment of women in healthcare? Yeah.
1: So you named a lot of big names. (laughs) (laughs) um yeah so i think i think we're we're seeing the sort of like rise of femtech and um and women's healthcare and we always say you know a rising tide lifts all boats helping women um helping women understand their health and be their own best health advocates i just think it's a very exciting trend um and i mean a company like 23andme was absolutely revolutionary in helping us you know be able to even Uh, you know, send something to somebody's house and, you know, people be comfortable with taking a test at home. So um, I think, I think these companies are sort of paving, paving the way. And um, I think it's going to be really, really interesting to to see what happens when, uh, when, when women have, have all of the tools at their
0: disposal. Right. No, that's awesome. Definitely. And Another thing, so just, like, in general for, you know, leading the next generation of women entrepreneurs, right? You yeah. once said, um, I believe it was at Berkeley, um, that you said before that the business world needs more creative women. Um, and you were kind of talking about, like, leadership through yes. creativity. Um, it was a great talk, <laughs> by the way. really liked it. Um, oh, thank you. Um, but I wanted to get kind of get your perspective on, like, what do you think this even means? Like, what? how do you think this is actually changing for women?
1: Yeah, so uh, I, this is really embarrassing, but when I, when I was an English major in college, I actually, my, my, and I don't think I've ever told anybody here about this, so I'm about to get made fun of, but (laughs) my my English thesis was um, about the evolution of women's literature and writing, um, and how sort of the novel began as the like, the okay medium for women to write in I mean at first it was sort of like a novel under a pseudonym but you know the Jane Austen's of the world so so the novel was sort of like the woman's medium and then it sort of has you know it has evolved and now we have like mom bloggers and uh this this whole sort of evolution of you know what a what a creative woman looks like so um I think uh it's I think we're seeing sort of a similar evolution in today's world. Um, And from my experience, it's gone from like, oh, to be a creative person in business. um, Oh, you you have to be a writer or an artist or you have to be in advertising to no, no, like you can build a company. You Mm -hmm. you understand how to how to reach out to other people and create a story and help them. Um, help to humanize the product that you're, that you're developing. Like you are an absolute integral part to, to building something impactful for the world. So I would always say, you know, like I'm a creative person and I always thought that that put me in this box that meant I'm not, I'm not a business person or I'm not a, you know, a partnerships part or whatever. And that is absolutely not true. If you are a creative person and you have sort of like, you have that intuition, you have those soft skills, you can sort of think outside the box that, you know, the spreadsheet skills will come <laughs> if you need Definitely. those. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I think sort of like eliminating some of that imposter syndrome and seeing more and more of these sort of tech companies taking really creative people and, 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 um, putting them in design orgs and product orgs and, uh, product research orgs and, and really sort of revolutionizing the way they think about businesses, um, is, is, is uplifting and I, I think we're gonna gonna see more and more of that.
0: Awesome. Awesome, Carly. This is really, really great. And Yay! do you have you know any last words, any advice, anything about monofertility, just anything you want to add?
1: Yeah, I I just wanna say thank you for uh, for being open to, to chat about this. We just we're so excited when anyone wants to talk proactive fertility because it is so important that we're all Getting, broke getting this knowledge, and then we all know that it's an option for us. Mm-hmm. So, um, really, really uh, appreciate the, the the part you're playing in in sort of helping us uh, helping us spread the word.
0: Small um, part, having, but I'm happy. <laughs> yeah, no, um, every part matters, uh, and we we really really appreciate it. So, thank you very much.